It's great. Cool. So we are in Philippians. Um, we've already had a little bit already read to us, which has been, been great. But uh, we are in chapter 2, and we are in verse 19 to 24. Chapter 2, verse 19 to 24. Let's just listen to what the Bible says first, and then we're going to have a, have a little chat about it in a second. So verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel, and sorry, in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I may myself, that I will be able to come soon. Father, we just commit these few verses. To you, Father, we just pray help us, Lord, as we just look at them, Father, that you would, you would speak um, through me, Lord. I pray open our hearts just to be ready to hear your word, but also to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, every so often, a, a story hits the headlines that just shocks us just really surprises us in some way. So a few years ago, a story hit one of the, the newspapers about how 38 people watched a man stalk a woman and eventually attack her. But none of the spectators actually picked up the phone to ring the police or did anything to intervene in any way. In California, a reporter once arranged for a man to lie in the gutter in a busy street to watch to see what happened. Hundreds of people managed to walk past him and nobody stopped to help him or to see how he was doing or to show any sympathy at all. Finally, a story about a group of teenagers who discovered a woman in a telephone box who had just suffered from a heart attack. They carried her off to one of the nearby houses. They rang the doorbell. They, 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 they basically asked for some help from inside. The only reply that they got was, get off my porch and take her with you. Now, those stories are shocking, surprising to us, but actually the majority of people just don't really want to get involved in, in other people's lives. And I guess the reason why most people tend to harden their hearts is because they, they want to protect themselves, either because of fear or some level of self-preservation. So is, is this whole idea of sacrifice and service that we've been talking about over the last week, is, is it just some sort of outdated idea, something that is, is sort of, you know, not thing that we really would want to apply to our modern lives today and to, into modern Britain? Now, I'm sure nobody really believes that. At least I hope nobody believes that here for even for a moment. And in fact, these problems are, are not new problems. In fact, Paul is facing exactly the same difficulties. He's facing exactly the same situation back in his day. See, the Christians in Rome have got absolutely no interest in the problems that are going on with the Philippians. So when Paul's looking for someone to go and 
just find out how they're getting on, to find out how they are. He cannot find a single person among them who is willing to make that journey, who is willing to go. And I guess we would like to think that we're, we're better than that. But actually, I wonder how often we have said to God, either in a response at the front of a meeting or perhaps maybe privately in prayer when we're in the middle of maybe a difficult and challenging situation. And we say, you know what, God, if you just help me out in this particular situation, if you just deal with this particular problem in my life, well, then I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And then maybe a few weeks go past and the situation maybe has resolved itself and things seem a little bit better and we began to, to backtrack. And we say, you know what? Well, I'm sorry, but it doesn't really suit me at this particular moment. Or we, we come up with some elaborate excuse either to convince ourselves or to convince others why we can't serve God or help out in that particular way. And we're not just lying to ourselves, of course. We're, we're actually lying to God. Now, of course, there are some legitimate reasons why we can't always do certain things. And we do have godly responsibilities to our family, to, to others, but often... That's not the real reason. Very often, the real reason is that we want to put ourselves first. We don't really want to be inconvenienced. But yet God's word tells us that if, if we promise something, we need to keep our word. So when we commit ourselves to being somewhere, we need to be there. When we commit ourselves to meeting a person at a particular time, we need to make sure that we're there, even if it means that we have to give up on something that we really, really wanted to do. See, honesty needs to pervade every aspect of our lives. And if we are careful, if we're honest in the little things, then there's a much greater chance we're going to be honest in the most important things and the bigger things as well. And it's so important that we model this, this idea of honesty and integrity and dependability within our lives because faithfulness to God involves faithfulness to others. Jerry Bridges writes, for the person practicing godliness or Christ-likeness, Dependability is the duty owed not only to his fellow man or woman, but more importantly, to God. And God wants us to be dependable even when it costs us. He wants us to be honest even when it challenges us. And this is exactly where Paul is going in this little section of Scripture here in these few verses that we're going to look at today. Now, we've already looked at, this doesn't stand in isolation. It comes off the back of all that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. You can catch them on the podcast if you want to catch up. Um, Catherine, I think, read that little section. So he starts off with who Jesus Christ is. He shows us Jesus Christ as this perfect example of what it looks like for us to have a submissive mind, to live with this Christ-like mind. He explains that it's possible, it's absolutely possible to cultivate that mindset within our own lives. And that is God who works this within us through word, through prayer, through suffering. That's where we were last week, if you remember so that we can grow in our faith, in our daily lives, and in our service for God. So as, as God works in, we work out. But there's a real practical side to this, and this is where, where, where Paul is taking us here. 
And to do this, he introduces us to two people, two of his friends, two of his helpers, one called Timothy, the other one called Epaphroditus. And there's a really important reason why Paul does this. Because Paul knows what people are like. He knows that the people that he is writing to, by the way, that includes us, okay? He knows the people that he is is writing to are prone to say, you know what, I don't think it's possible for me to live like Jesus. In fact, I'm not even sure it's possible for me to live like the Apostle Paul, never mind Jesus Christ. So, for that reason, he introduces us to these two men, these two people who are not apostles, who are not spectacular miracle workers or gifted in that way, in any sense. These are just ordinary people. Really ordinary people like you and me. And he wants us to know that this submissive, this Christ-like mind, it's not a luxury that just a few people can experience or that is kept for those extra special Christians. No, this is absolutely necessary for all Christians who want to live in joy. And this week, I want to talk about this young man called Timothy. So who was Timothy? Well, Timothy, or sorry, Paul probably met Timothy on his very first missionary journey. He would have been a teenager at the time. It's most likely that actually Timothy became a Christian through the teaching and the preaching of the Apostle Paul. Now, it would seem that Timothy's mother and his grandmother had become Christians. They had been converted before, before Timothy had. And Timothy had, a, had, a, had a, um, a Jewish mom, and he had a Gentile dad. But Paul actually always considered this young man to be really one of its own. He, he describes him as my dearly beloved son in the faith. So when Paul comes back on his second missionary journey to Derby and Lystra, he calls on Timothy to be one of his fellow workers. You can read more about that if you want in, in Acts chapter 16. And Timothy has obviously grown in his faith during this time. Of course, this doesn't happen overnight. You, you don't develop a Christ-like, a submissive mind just suddenly or automatically as soon as you become a believer. Timothy had to develop, he had to cultivate this this mindset of Christ, just as we do. It's not something that just happens naturally. You see, being a servant of Jesus takes time. It takes maturity. And Timothy developed this, both as he worked within his local church and later on as he walked with the apostle Paul. He becomes the kind of servant that Paul can trust to greater and greater levels of responsibility. So just three, thought, three thoughts on this, on this guy, Timothy. First thing is this. Timothy was a trusted servant. This is verse 19 to 21. He was a trusted servant. You know, right from the very beginning, Timothy cared for people. It seems obvious that, that he was just concerned for other people's needs. Now, it wasn't just about winning friends or influencing people. He's got a real, genuine interest in other people's lives. Now, the problem is Paul's got this issue. He's got a problem because he's really concerned about what's happening over in the Philippian church, which means he wants to send somebody over there. He wants to find out what's going on. He wants to be able perhaps even to share some of his words, some of his encouragements into that particular situation. Now, the thing is, there must have been hundreds of Christians in Rome. In fact, 26 of them are mentioned by name in Romans chapter 16, 
alone, yet not one of them is available to be able to go and to make that journey. And Paul writes, talking about them in verse 21, in fact, quite a damning statement. He says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's different. And he has a servant heart. He has a submissive mind. Now, it's no easier for Timothy to go than anybody else's, you know, this visit, this trip off to the, see the Philippians is probably 800 miles long, mainly by foot, probably by boat. And yet, Timothy is willing to go because he loves the Philippians, he loves the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves the gospel, and he loves Paul, and he wants to encourage, and he wants to serve Paul and serve him in, in whatever way he can. And all of these things, all of these things take precedence over his love for himself. And Timothy is a great example for us to follow. This ordinary guy, just wonderful example. And, and you know, we, we may have maybe a lot more responsibilities than, than Timothy had. Not every, we certainly can't all just drop everything and head off to another country at the drop of a hat. That's not always possible. But actually, we should be praying that God would make us perhaps a little bit more like him, willing to serve, willing to go, willing to respond to whatever God is is saying to us for the sake and for the glory of Jesus Christ. By contrast to this, we, we, the, the Christians in Rome, the church in Rome, is actually preoccupied by internal fighting, by disputes, that, and, and they've got, actually got no time for the important work of God. And, and that's, the, the, that's the real tragedy of church problems. It can divert so much time and energy and concern away just from the important things of pointing people towards Jesus Christ, of proclaiming the message, the gospel of Jesus. You know, we, we need to be interested only in godly matters, to see spiritual growth within God's people, to see people one and come to faith in Jesus Christ, rather than sort of trying to take party lines or some sort of device or, or involved in divisive causes. And it's so important that we stop sometimes and examine our own hearts. Just ask the question, in the light of God's word through the Holy Spirit, is what am I, what am I doing? Is what I'm pushing for? What, what am I going for here? Is it really bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it bringing advancement to the kingdom of God? Or is it causing problems? Is it damaging things? And we all live in one of two places. We either live in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, or we live in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. Philippians 1, 21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 2, 21, for everyone looked out for their own interest, not those of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is it for you? Which is it for me? What is my, is, is my concern only and always for the sake of Jesus to, to proclaim his name, to make sure his name is honored, that his, came, that his kingdom expands? Or is it about myself? Am I just concerned to make sure that my agenda gets heard, that my agenda is the most important thing around? Which is it? As for Timothy... Paul had no problem in delegating responsibility to him because Paul knew he could trust him. 
Timothy had traveled with him on many of his journeys. They had faced many dangers together. They they talked and, and won many people to the Lord Jesus Christ together. And Timothy had proven himself in many difficult times. And their relationship, it was more than just some sort of professional one. In Christ, they work like father and son. They are committed to one another. They are respectful of each other in the face. Again, a great example of how older Christians need to be nurturing and encouraging and mentoring and training those who are younger in their faith to give them responsibility, yes, to nurture them as a father does a child. It's also, if you're a younger Christian, that you're teachable, that you allow yourself to be trained and to be encouraged by those perhaps a little bit more mature as well. But actually, as a result of this, Timothy has developed this remarkable characteristic of a servant. The question is, how? Which is the second thought. Timothy was well-trained. You know, Paul didn't just add this young boy onto his team as soon as he was saved. Paul was much wiser than all of that. He left him behind to be part of the local church in Derby and Lystra, and it was in that setting that he grew spiritually and he learned how to serve the Lord. So when Paul comes back a few years later on his second missionary journey, he is delighted. He's delighted to find that this young man has just grown up so well. In fact, years later, Paul writes to Timothy about this. He tells him in 1 Timothy 3 the importance of allowing new Christians to grow before putting them into some sort of significant ministry role. You know, the worst thing that can happen to a new Christian is to give them too much too quickly. It hurts the person. It actually damages others in the process as well. Instead, and I guess this applies to all of us to some level, particularly if you're new in your faith, you need to get busy within the life of the church to be a witness to Jesus at home, to study God's word, to just to develop a great prayer life, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, actually just to give yourself a chance to grow. It requires patience sometimes. And make sure that you put your roots deep down into God, into the Lord Jesus Christ before you begin to branch out too far. And this metaphor of a tree is a great one because if the roots are shallow or even non-existent at all, and you begin to reach out, what happens? The storm comes along and it just flattens things. It just knocks things completely down. So make sure the roots are deep, deep into the Lord Jesus Christ, deep into God's word, and be patient and wait on God to open up those places of service for you, and he will as, as, soon, as soon as he feels that you're ready for them. And this is exactly what Paul does for Timothy. He gives him time for his roots to go down deep, and then he assists this young man to, to work for him on his, on his missionary endeavors and his missionary tours. But of course, even then, Timothy, he's not the finished product yet. In fact, we, we don't wait until everybody's completely perfect because nobody would do anything Sure he wouldn't. So as they go, Paul is teaching Timothy God's word. As they go, he's also watching this great apostle at work within his ministry. And in fact, it's exactly what Jesus does. 
In fact, Paul bases and seems to model his, his training on that of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest trainer of all. Remember, as Jesus calls his disciples, as he prepares them, he calls them to be fishers of men. He gives them private instruction about, um, and, 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 then, and then, Jesus, then Jesus exposes them to his power in terms of over the, demon, over the d- demonic, over sickness, over death. And these guys have lived with Jesus. They've spent time with him. They've shared experience with him. They've learned alongside him. It's only after that that they are sent out as his representatives. He shows them first by example what to do, and then he sends them out in pairs, presumably so they can also encourage and support one another as well. And we see these aspects of training, of teaching and experience, and experience and teaching going hand in hand. If we, get, if we get experience without teaching, it can lead to discouragement. If we get teaching without experience, it can lead to spiritual deadness. So we need both. And God has called us to be faithful. That's the bottom line. He's called us to be faithful, to be trusted servants of Jesus Christ. This is how we all should be living as God works in us. And listen, this is the work of God. It's, it's, it's God's power. It's by his spirit that we can even begin any of these things. And then we work out completely reliant on God in everything that we do. But there's some practical advice we could look at here. First thing is this. You know, a good place to start is with the little things that nobody else wants to do. Things like coming in a little bit early before church and just hoovering the floor. Or staying a little bit later afterwards and hoovering the floor. Or sorting the tea and coffee. You know, there's there's the little practical things that actually is a great place to begin serving God in those areas. The second thing, when you say something, when you say you will do something, do it. You know, we need to be men and women of just honesty. Of, of when we say it, we'll do it. We're committed to doing something. The third thing, always do it well. And we do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't matter whether it's, it's something we do with it over the, the church umbrella or whether it's in our working environment or whether even if it's at home, actually we do everything unto God. It's not about trying to please me or please your boss or, 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 or whoever, or your wife, or your husband, or whatever. You know, you do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We're, 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 our, our desire is only and always to give honor and praise to his precious name. Fourth thing, seek out help and advice and nurture from those who are older in their faith than you. Just allow people to get alongside you. Find someone who you can work with and and, and just allow them to just to to nurture and to encourage you. The fifth thing is this. Talk to Jesus about the next step. Respond to the Holy Spirit when he prompts you. Above everything, we need to be hearing from God for ourselves. We talked a lot more about this last week is spending time in God's word. It's, 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 it's developing just a, a prayer life where we're hearing from God, where God's both communicating with us and we're communicating with him. But develop that within your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to be shaping and prompting and encouraging, encouraging you. And these things take time. It's this character. These are the fruits of the Spirit that, that God builds within our life and it, it takes time to mature in these areas.
The third thing then, as we finish, Timothy received a servant's reward. You know, Timothy understands the meaning of service and sacrifice, and God rewards him for his faithfulness. And God rewards him in a number of ways. He rewards him because Timothy has the joy of helping others. Yes, there are difficulties and challenges alongside that, but actually there's lots of victories and blessings. And one of the greatest things sometimes in terms of just, in, in terms of either in any level of leadership, whether it be church or anything else, is actually just seeing how God is working within people's lives. You can see the, the, the joys that come through that. It really develops something of joy within our lives. It can be a real encouragement to us. And it was because of this that Timothy, because he was a faithful servant, in fact, it was because he was faithful in the little things, in the small things, that God rewards him with the many things. The second thing, he also had the joy of serving with the great apostle Paul. In fact, you know, Timothy is mentioned something like 24 times in Paul's letters. And because of this, Timothy is chosen as Paul's replacement. Now, I know Paul would have probably loved to have gone to Philippa. In fact, he says so in the, in the last verse we just read there. But he can't. He's, he's stuck in prison. He's chained up. He, he's waiting trial. He's, it's not possible for him to, to get away at that particular moment. But he sends Timothy in his place. And listen, it was to be Paul's substitute would have been a great honor for Timothy. A real privilege for him. But perhaps the greatest reward of all, more than anything else, is that, T- that Timothy had was that he knew God's faithfulness at work in his life. He knew God's faithfulness at work in his life. And that's something that each one of us can share and can know. Now, none of us are going to be able to work with the Apostle Paul. That's just impractical. In fact, it's impossible. But we can, of course, share in other people and, and experience the joy of helping other people. But also, we can know God's faithfulness at work throughout our lives. And listen, God is always faithful to his promise. In fact, you cannot describe the characteristics of God without somehow touching on God's faithfulness to us. And we depend on God's faithfulness for everything. We depend on his faithfulness for salvation. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 8 to 9. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But God is also faithful in the deliverance from temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond that which you will be able to bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. And God is faithful in sanctification, that process of making us more like Jesus Christ. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. May God himself... The God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole soul and spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is faithful 
in the forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful in the deliverance through times of suffering. 1 Peter 4 verse 19, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do God's work. And finally, and I'm sure there's many more we could have gone to, but finally for now, he is faithful in the fulfillment of the hope of eternal life. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises is faithful. And understanding God's faithfulness is such a powerful encouragement, surely for us to step up into becoming more like Jesus Christ, to have this submissive mind, this Christ-like mind, to live faithfully as well to one another. And listen, it is possible. It is absolutely possible. Timothy is proof of this. His name is still held in high regard throughout Christianity, even today, something as a young man, this, this, this guy, he would, have, he would have never thought about. He would never have dreamed of, never mind have asked for or looked for. And don't forget, he's just this ordinary guy, somebody just like you and me, but as he grew in obedience to Jesus, he developed a Christ-like mind. And so can you, and as you do this, you will run into joy. Not a product of an hour sermon. Not even a product of a group of seminars or even actually a year of Christian service. This is growing. This is taking time with God. And you can, as you grow, as you live in obedience to God, as you imitate the Lord Jesus Christ, as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and as you faithfully, as you faithfully serve one another, we grow and we run into joy. There are no shortcuts here. I wish there was. I really wish there was. It's a lifetime of just following Christ. As Mark was sharing in the prayer meeting, I think he just shared a little earlier on, it's not something we, we strive after, but actually we, 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 do, we do pursue him. We, we, we push into him. As we do that, of course, God fills us. He pours his spirit into our lives. We just rely on him. Let's just stand and pray. Father, we thank you for your word and Lord, thank you most of all that you're a faithful God. Amen. Lord, thank you for the stories we've heard already of how you've been faithful in people's lives, but how you've been faithful in terms of saving folks, how you've been faithful in keeping them, how you've been faithful, Lord, with Sue this week. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we just grow more and more like you, Lord Jesus. Father, we walk in your steps with your help by your spirit, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, as you bring up areas in our lives that we need to deal with, Lord, you do it graciously and lovingly. And Father, thank you that we're all on this journey. Lord, and we do it together. So Father, help us in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.